0: Hello and welcome to the Happy Author Podcast with me, Dorothy Coombson. I'm a multi-award winning best-selling author and I'm here to help demystify the publishing world for anyone who writes books, wants to write books or just has a love and passion for books. On today's podcast, I speak to Isha Bra, Editorial Director of Knights Of, an independent, dynamic publisher who are making huge waves in the book world. Isha talks to me about how you can improve your chances of getting published if writing for children is your thing, and why the world desperately needs inclusive publishers like Nights of. I love talking to Isha, and I think she gives some real insights into how the world of publishing can be a better place. Hi Isha, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thanks so much for asking me to be on. This is
0: great. I know, it's very exciting to speak to you. Can you tell me what your job title officially is and what it actually means?
1: My job title is editorial director. Um, and what that means is that my role is basically to be the person who looks over everything that comes to us from authors and prospective authors and decide what gets published and if it's right for us, and then work with those authors to edit and publish their books. So I'm the main point of contact between them and their publisher.
0: Can you tell me a bit about Nights of? Because people might not have heard of Nights of um, as a publisher and who they
1: are we're an inclusive publisher we publish predominantly children's books and what that means to us is that we try and find underrepresented voices or work with authors who often wouldn't have the chance to otherwise be published or aren't acknowledged by mainstream children's publishing and then create commercial and accessible books for like with them for children who want to see themselves in books so for us inclusive it covers Everything from race to gender and sexuality to class and neurodivergence. So it's quite a broad spectrum of things that we look at, but it's always people that would often be overlooked by what mainstream children's publishing finds commercial or sellable. So in my role as editorial director, that's the main thing that I have to think of when I'm considering what books to publish. Okay. How long do you work for Nights Off? Um I worked at night's off for just over a year, but it feels like less time because of how <laughs> this year has been. Yeah. yeah, but it's been quite a busy and eventful year, definitely. How did
0: you get this job and um, where were you before?
1: Um, so previously I was at Scholastic, also an editorial, so another children's publisher, um, and I was there for two and a bit years. And when I was working there that was my first role in editorial which I'd always wanted to do but I'd worked in other parts of publishing and one of the things that I talk about a lot as being like the main problem with working in publishing is that you have to be at a junior level for so long before you have creative freedom or before you're able to change the way things are done so in my role I was really feeling that frustration of I want to bring forward diverse voices. I want to change the way children's publishing works and what's valued, but I just wasn't at the level at which I could achieve that. And so David and Amy, we knew each other. Obviously I was a huge supporter of Nights of from day one because they were doing amazing things and they saw that I was increasingly more frustrated and also they needed someone to come and handle editorial and handle building the list that they wanted to create with Nights of. So we kind of just came together at the perfect time and they approached me and yeah, I had a weirdly terrifying interview with them, (laughs) which I don't think they meant to be scary, but I was like, oh my god, it means so much, Um, and then yeah, and then we started working together, and luckily I think we were the perfect fit for each other, Um, but yeah, that's how I got into the role.
0: So do you have anybody who works with you, or beneath you on the sort of job ladder
1: um, I don't have anybody that works beneath me I have um the way we work is that we have a core team of the four of us so David and Amy as the co-founders and Marseille who's our creative director so she works with designers and illustrators and then we basically have pools of people that we work with that are more external so like freelancers um, PR and marketing companies so when I need to work with someone for say a proofread or a copy edit or Sometimes we get people to shadow us on projects and they help pick up some of the more admin aspects of the job. Those people are more external, so they're not part of the core team. So, I'm not a manager, but I manage like, relationships with other people who do things for us. If that makes sense.
0: That does make sense. Um, so, in, a, tradi- in a, a bigger publisher, you would have a lot of those people in house. So, you'd have yeah. someone who designs the covers. Yeah. Um, uh, Or two or three people who design covers and you'd have two or three people who proofread and edit the books.
1: Yeah, like bigger publishers have whole teams of copy editors and proofreaders and even like typesetting or production, all of those things are external for us. But we work with amazing people who are really willing to drop everything for crazy schedules (laughs) if it's us doing it. So who do you publish at the moment? Um, So at the moment, I think we've published since we started in 2018, 15 titles. And of those authors, there's Shana Jackson, who's the author of High Rise Mystery, um, and Mike Drop, its sequel, Elle McNichol, who's the author of A Kind of Spark, which is the current Waterstones children's book of the month. Um, We publish some US authors in the UK, so we're their UK publishers. So that's Jason Reynolds and Nick Stone. Um, we publish uh, Samantha Baines and Gabrielle Kent, who write Harriet versus of the Galaxy and the Knights and Bikes series, respectively. Um, and we publish Mark MacIver, who's our one non fiction, almost YA author, who's in our passion projects list that we call KO Classics. And he's written a guide to Black British business, and he's actually Stormzy's barber. And he talks about how he started his business. So, yeah, we published like an eclectic range of authors, but predominantly children's. And of our authors going forwards, I think we're going to have new books from a few of them, which will be really exciting. And then we'll bring on some brand new authors to be announced, hopefully soon.
0: What do you look for when you're going to publish a book? I mean, maybe we should go back and say... How do you get books sent to you? Because I, I know you're a smaller publisher, so you, you're not necessarily as strict. And that sounds a r- wrong word. Um, <laughs> no, I as, know what you mean. As, as um, stringent in your how you do things as other people or other publishers yeah. could be.
1: I mean, you're right. One of the ways that we are different to bigger publishers is most publishers don't accept unagented submissions, whereas we have um, a live chat of for open submissions where anyone, whether they have an agent or any experience, can email or text or like message the chat and they'll get a response from one of the team so we do consider submissions from like absolutely everyone when it comes to publishing those people if they don't have an agent I part of my job is to make sure they then have an agent to look out for them before we sign them up so we sort of do the process that's considered more traditional in reverse sometimes yes um but yeah so one of the things so one of the things we don't look for is if you have an agent or not that's something to us that can be fixed afterwards because as every author knows it can be really hard to get an agent um but what we do look for like I said we're inclusive so when I'm considering books and authors who have come to us I'm always considering what are they saying that's different or new or is there something here that hasn't previously been given the platform to exist or is there a kid who will read this and think, oh, that's me, like, I see myself in that book who might not have had that chance otherwise, and then also another thing I really look for is if it's commercial, because we, when David and Amy started Nights Off, they really wanted to prove that publishing diverse books doesn't mean that they're niche or not sellable, like, they can sit alongside the huge children's authors and sell just as many copies, so I am always looking for, okay, does this Is this doing something that publishing would sometimes think oh that's not really going to sell and we can prove general publishing wrong with that um and then also more editorially i look for you know voice and character and all the things where as an editor if i'm going to work with this author do i love what they're saying do i think there's something here that can be brought out and often i do kind of agree with you in that it's not that we're less strict but i will sometimes look at something and think okay this isn't in really raw form or it's really rough but I have the time and energy to work with that author for maybe longer than another publisher would to bring it to its perfect package.
0: I absolutely believe that you have high editorial standards and one of the things I was talking to somebody else another editor about was um, the idea that people who who are black or people of color writers of color they have to go on schemes or they have to be mentored and that they can't just send something in in its raw form and it be worked on because that is something that can be fixed
1: yeah along the way isn't
0: it it's not um because I didn't I didn't go any schemes I didn't do I wasn't mentored by anybody I just read a lot of books and I I could write so I did I, and I know none of my books, particularly the only ones, they weren't perfect, they weren't publication ready, but yeah, I think that there's this idea that it has to be in this perfect state or somebody yeah. else has to be guiding these people through, these writers yeah, through.
1: which is completely not true. Like, there's so many authors that just just need the same amount of attention or editorial care as any other, like, more like traditional or like even white authors would be given you know just they've just sort of been given a free pass of like oh okay they're new to this they just need training whereas like you said if authors of color and black and brown authors especially they have to be in a perfect condition and often I think it's because a lot of editors are don't know how to edit them they're scared of it they're like oh okay this is different I don't know that's to me one of the main problems especially in children's publishing is that I can count on one hand the black and brown editors and I think that is like how are we as an industry going to bring forward new talent if nearly every editor is doesn't have the experience or doesn't feel like they have the right to edit those voices
0: I think they don't have the experience nor do they want to kind of find out basically yeah
1: they don't even want to like take the chance take the step I know yeah
0: so I'm not I'm not um having a go
1: at anybody yeah me either but in general like it has built up this culture of you know like even fear around like publishing different voices they if it's not in a perfect condition and feel like someone else has already put that safety net in then a lot of publishers would be like oh we can't we don't really know what to do with this and I think you know that is changing a little bit but not quick enough
0: (laughs) no not quick enough and you know people I don't I've I'm hoping people are trying now, they're actually doing something, because I also believe that all children need to read stories about all different types of children, particularly white children need to realise that black children, brown children, children from all different backgrounds, as you said, you know, sexuality, gender, um, disability or neurotypical, that they are just as important as the mainstream children are yeah. and that's and that's what um mainstream that's probably the wrong word I'm, um well
1: yeah the the people that are typically presented in children's books yeah
0: yeah that they all need to read they all need everyone needs to read those books by different people and about different types of people that's what i passionately believe and i think one of the things about night sob is that you're you are doing that you are kind of pushing forward with doing that
1: yeah i mean definitely when we're publishing our Books, it's like a twofold purpose of so say with Shana, who's written a high rise mystery. High rise mystery is the UK's first Black British detective duo, and it's set in its middle grade and it's for so it's readers eight to eleven and it's set on the council of state in London, which is familiar to loads of kids. And for us, like on one hand, yes, we want to make sure those kids see themselves in books, but also we want mainstream publishing to acknowledge that this is a book that can be read by everyone. So even Uh, a more middle class white kid in a different town maybe outside of London like in the home counties could pick this up and be exposed to something that is different to them and I completely agree with you I think that's how we encourage empathy in children to have them read other experiences that aren't theirs so to us it's never just we're never just publishing for one audience we're publishing for the kids who need to see themselves and then we're publishing for also every other kid who should also read the book
0: yeah that's what I always say about um when I advise people on buying books for children buy books that have the main, a girl as the main character. Yeah. That's a simple thing, a simple thing you can do so that boys get used to reading about girls because girls are always having to read about boys, but not the other way around. So, and this is the sort of thing, you know, pick up a book from nights off and give that as presents to children so they can get to see other people. As yeah. human and just as right to be the star star of a book as as anybody else. Sorry, I'll stand up among books then.
1: <laughs> no, that was a complete I feel like we should have you do all of our marketing for us because everyone should hear what you're saying.
0: Let's go back. Sorry, I've I never asked you why you decided, why you went into publishing.
1: Oh, um, so to be honest, I didn't really know what publishing was. When I was growing up, like it wasn't something like in my family that's not a career that anyone would have pursued or encouraged me to pursue um and like you know I grew up in London my parents that my well I'm not gonna like go into the ins and outs of their backgrounds but you know they had like quite traditional what they considered stable jobs like to make sure you have money and like you know you can put food on the table so that would have been the sort of career I was also pushed to do and then when I went to uni so I loved reading when I was growing up I I was just the book kid None, everyone in my family was sort of like okay <laughs> she's reading again and luckily my parents they did encourage me to read so they very much you know they they allowed me to have books they were like okay if this is what she loves then we're gonna we're gonna encourage that in her so that was the only thing that I really liked doing when I was growing up so when it came to going to uni I was the first person in my family to go to uni and I wanted to do English and my whole family was like you're the first person and you want to do English like why (laughs) Um, but luckily they accepted it in the end and although my grandparents still don't really understand what I do or why (laughs) but they I did go and do English and then I loved it but when i graduated i just couldn't see what job i could do after that i was like this is i really shot myself in the foot like it's an english degree how am i gonna like make money from this um and then really luckily i became aware of a company called creative access a charity actually so they basically work on putting people from underrepresented groups in creative industries because creative industries are historically really white, really middle class, really function on nepotism. So they're trying to break that down. And they had on their website some jobs in publishing. And when I read about them, I was like, oh, okay, it makes sense. Like I can work with books. (laughs) It all makes sense now. Um, So then I tried to get an editorial job and it was basically impossible. Editorial is so oversubscribed. It's so based on being the right sort of publishing person, especially at the time that I was entering publishing. So editorial
0: um, editorial means um, the person who buys the books and yeah edits them and makes sure that they're all um well puts them together basically Yes. buys so, them edits them puts a title on and stuff like that yeah
1: yeah so the person who's mostly when you think of publishing that's the role that you think of of like of an editor but there's loads of other roles so I actually ended up in rights which is international like selling the book to international publishers um all assistant roles that I was applying to obviously um and then. I stayed in rights for three years and I was at Penguin Kids and Random House Kids and then they merged and I was in that merged team and it was I always say that it was a really good introduction to publishing even though it was never really where my passion was it really taught me so many things about the different departments and working at a big publisher taught me so much about how the industry works but it also made me incredibly frustrated so I really started my career off in a junior position at a big publisher that at the time was not acknowledging or talking about the lack of diversity in publishing or the output of publishing so I think that's what made me such a I was going to say aggravated but I think that's what really led me to where I am now in that I have this drive to change the way the industry works and the change what children's books are being put out there because I really started off at a time when no one was talking about diversity and no one really seemed to it always it was all very like hush hush and like if you mentioned something being wrong it would get swept away and no one really wanted to look this problem directly in the eye unless you were one of the few minorities working at a big company who felt like obviously you're then the only person who has to say something um so that's was where I started and then yeah and from there I finally got into editorial and then I started my editorial career and that was much more what like where my passion was and what I wanted to do so yeah that's kind of what led me I feel like I took a segue but (laughs) that's what led me there yeah um I've talked to lots of people in publishing
0: and none of them have ended up where they are where they are isn't where they started at all they've all kind of segued they've all gone different uh, routes and I think a lot of them didn't realize they could work in publishing
1: yeah it's not really a publicized job I don't think
0: no
1: what do you think people can
0: do to um increase their chances of getting published if they were sending submitting something to to you
1: oh if they were sending it to me i think having a good idea of the market is always good like showing that like your references if you're saying your book is like something and you're referencing another book that should be a book from now that kids are reading now not like something that was published 20 years ago which you know i think Having a good awareness of what else is out there and the authors that are new is a good thing, a good sign to me because it makes me think, oh, this person's tapped into what kids now are reading because often I always have to push people who are writing for kids to not write to how we were when we were kids. It's to kids now, right? And they've grown up in such a different world um, and they want such different content. So you have to really be tapped into like what that being a kid in 2020 looks like um and also I guess an awareness of who you're submitting to sometimes I get submissions because we do have open submissions I sometimes get them where it's clearly you've clearly sent this to like 20 other people you haven't even taken put my name in or taken the time to find out like who we are as a publisher and because we are a small publisher that does have a remit if you're a white middle class man and you're submitting to me and you don't even acknowledge the fact that you're pr- probably not the voice I'm looking for right now. <laughs> um, to me, that's like a red flag because you haven't even researched or wondered why you're submitting tonight's of. but on the, ge- on a general basis, the point of us having open submissions is that I don't tend to make a lot of judgments until I actually read the manuscript, which is different to how a lot of other people work, but I prefer sometimes to just ignore like everything else that's come with it and first, be like okay is there something here and then sort of like reading a blind submission actually so you know without then going into who the author is or what the background is or what their experience is just judging it on the merits of the writing um which hopefully is comforting to people that feel like they have to write long cover letters or you know really sell themselves
0: yeah or they have to have a big social media presence and yeah you know have have a picture of themselves where they're good looking and stuff like that I yeah
1: think... I know a lot of authors feel that pressure yeah what do you think an author could do to improve their working life um so I guess so the bits of authors working lives that I see are obviously always the bits that are directly related to working with the editor Mm. and I think that one thing I would advise anyone who is looking like in the process of finding which choosing which publisher to go with or you know finding a publisher is to make sure you have an editor who you can be honest with because I really encourage my authors to be honest with me and I'm really honest with them about stuff that's happening behind the scenes or you know things that we need to work on together on the manuscript because if you can't say what you think then your working relationship is going to not be comforting to either of you (laughs) um so that's generally my approach of how I make my authors happy is by starting off on an honest foot with them and then also I guess people talk a lot about work-life balance and especially now in this time of like how if you're working at home and you're especially if you're an author and you are it's a really solitary role isn't it writing um but one of the things I think no, people don't talk about as much is the fact that when you're an author you sign up to sit down and be by yourself and write but then you also have to promote yourself and you have to do events and you have to be out there and I would encourage authors to really push their publisher to do to like talk to them, make sure they understand everything that's going on, be really honest again about all of the things that come along with being an author and what their expectations are. And then also say when they can't do something or when it feels overwhelming. I think that's really important. So that's something that I've definitely noticed happen more now that events are getting virtual. And people, When it's virtual, you just feel like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then you end up with 10 events in a week. And actually <laughs> that's still a huge commitment.
0: Yes, I've just, been, I've just been telling myself about that as well. How yeah. I, can't, I can't do everything. I keep thinking I can, but I really can't.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it feels like you're not really doing much when you're doing it from home, but actually it's just as much of a commitment. So yeah, those are the things that I try and, get, try and advise my authors to do so that they have happy working lives. Um, yeah, and then in, actually in more general, I don't think I've mentioned it much, but having an agent who advocates for you I also think that's really important, which is why we make sure all of our authors have agents before we sign them up. Because, yeah, your publisher should advocate for you, but they're also a business. And it would be disingenuous for me to say that we don't also think about what works for us. Whereas your agent is the person who will go to bat for you and can talk to your publisher on your behalf and, you know, take some of the stress away from your daily role while you're also trying to write the book (laughs) that you've been signed up to write. So that's probably the other thing I would advise everyone to look for.
0: Yeah, I've, I've um, yes, i said, Long said about my agent that he is the person who, he kind of goes out in front of me so that I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't have to deal with the, the tough, conversa- I mean, some of the tough conversations I can't avoid having, but he's the yeah. one who, he will always go ahead of me and sort of have that conversation and also you know he will tell me when I'm being ridiculous which is
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it's necessary on both counts like it also works in favor of publishers because you know then if you sometimes you don't want to go to your author and say I need you to do this by this date and stress them out sometimes you want to go through their agent so you can keep your working relationship nice and calm um so yeah it's good to have that person who's the in-between and also yeah goes out ahead of the author like you said
0: It's good to hear a publisher say that, you know, that you need an agent who will look after you. Because yes, like you say, you know, it is difficult to get an agent. Let's not pretend it isn't. But it is, um, it is good for, I think authors forget that they're not working for their agent, the agent's working for them. And so they need to, so they need to, if you want your agent to do something for you, you need to ask Mm. them to to, also have that conversation with the publisher yeah what do you think readers can do to help the book world as it were
1: i mean buy books and not from amazon (laughs) support independent bookshops because i think that a, a lot of people don't really understand how much we look at those numbers of who's bought a book and where they bought it from but the book industry really needs those people who actually go and buy books um and also Um, if you can't buy books or you're not in the position to because not everyone is in the position to join your library support your libraries while you're also supporting authors because I speak to so many people and we really appreciate when people are like oh I got this out from my local library so then you're publicizing the book for other people that might go and buy it but also you are supporting your local library Um, and I guess something that people are always encouraged to do but i don't think they really know why is pre-orders but pre-orders do matter to us in a way because it shows that people so then when the book is published that's a set amount of books that have been sold so when you see publishers saying oh pre-order this book and there's huge campaigns around it it's because that number creates such a lift for the author in their first week of being published so if you do really want a book pre-order it from your local independent bookshop or (laughs) Waterstones. um yeah and and if you have to buy books from Amazon because some people do and you know it's convenient maybe also then you know buy an extra one and give it to someone who might not have had the opportunity to because you're probably getting it at basically half price if you're buying it from Amazon so maybe gift another one um and then yeah I guess people don't shouldn't underestimate the benefit of word of mouth if you read something and you love it and you recommend it to your friend who might not have gone to buy a book that week, or probably usually doesn't read this genre. um, That's an extra person who's then become a fan of that author and would go and buy their next book and being vocal about what you love really does help. Like with Elle McNichol, who wrote a kind of spark, which published in June for us this year. So right in the middle of lockdown, most of her success has been off the back of people saying, I really love this. And then, you know, building up that word of mouth where other people then go and buy it. And that's really invaluable. That's the um, only way to sell things. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. And all the time
0: I've been in publishing, that's the only way to sell. You can have throw as much money as you like at stuff.
1: Yeah. Advertising
0: and all sorts and big stands. But it's people telling other people about it that sells books. I've noticed that over the years. So
1: yeah, and especially with kids, if a kid goes into school and says that they've loved a book, their whole class is going to buy it. If it becomes something that one kid's excited about, so that like in kids' publishing, especially if you if you're a kid, if you buy a book for your kid and then let that kid lend it, <laughs> lend the book to their friend, that's like you've started something probably in that school because um, kids just absorb everything as well. Oh, fantastic. So
0: yes, that's good to hear that publishers acknowledge and do see that people recommending books is the, pay, is oh, the, yeah. is the way forward. Yes,
1: And because we're so small as well, we are an indie publisher. So for us, all of our success has been built on the people who've supported us and who've, you know, been vocal about us. And especially when it comes to, you know, underrepresented voices and diverse voices, if you're vocal about those, that's when the you know like word of mouth really kicks in.
0: Thank you, Isha. It's been lovely speaking to you. Um, hopefully I might try to get you back on again at some point. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks for joining me, Dorothy Coombson, today on the Happy Author podcast. I hope my chat with Isha Bra, editorial director of Nights Of, has inspired you to gift one or more of their books to all the children in your life. Keep writing, keep reading... Keep happy. Talk
1: to you soon. Bye.